0: It's like, yo, Lindsay, I'm really happy for you, and I'm going to let you finish. <laughs> but you forgot help. You, yeah, you throw in Kanye every episode now. <laughs> oh, okay. Welcome back to the Modern Lady Podcast. You're listening to episode 48. Hi, I'm Michelle. And I'm Lindsay. And today is brought to you by the letter H. Head, heart, hands, and home. These are the four H's that we're going to focus on today. In our growing understanding and appreciation for the feminine genius and authentic womanhood, these words have inspired us to take a closer look on how we ladies are engaging our whole person in the betterment of ourselves for the sake of service in our homes, families, and communities. But first, Michelle
1: and I love bringing the Modern Lady podcast to you for free each and every week. We spend a lot of time researching and editing each episode, and all we ask in return is that if you enjoy today's show, that you share it. And if you can, take a minute to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Every time we get a new review, it helps our little podcast become more visible. And also, every time we get a new review, Michelle and I message each other and get really excited.
0: <laughs> this week's shout out goes to Katie Kettlers. And I hope I pronounced that correctly, Katie. She left us a five-star rating and review on Apple podcasts and said, quote, I love listening to the Modern Lady podcast. I feel like I'm sitting around with friends and having a chat. Their topics are great and relatable for me as a woman and as a mom to five young children. I look forward to every episode, end quote. Well, thank you so much, Katie, for your comment. It was so great to hear from you. And if you would like to leave us a comment, you can do so on our website, www.themodernlady1950.wordpress.com, or you can leave us a comment on Facebook or Instagram, where you can find us at The Modern Lady Podcast. But before we get into today's chat, Lindsay has our Modern Lady Tip of the Week. Some of you might recall that I left
1: the last tip of the week as a cliffhanger, and so today I want to talk to you about the origins of the saying, mind your P's and Q's. It seems simple at first, P's sounds like please, and Q's like thank you, but it has a long and varied history. Let's go back to a British pub in the 1600s. The bartender would be keeping an eye on his patrons and would remind them to watch their P's and Q's, but what he would be talking about would be their pints and quarts. Or, let's travel now with sailors in the 1700s, and they would be told to mine their P's and Q's on board the sailing vessels, but for them, that meant their pea coats and their Q's, which was their ponytails. Folklore has also relayed the story that on documents, things listed as P and Q, P-E-E and K-E-W, meant of the highest quality, which then became P-Q, or prime quality, but PQ isn't quite the same thing as P's and Q's, so it couldn't have come from that. Lastly, there was a little children's rhyme from 1763 about learning the alphabet. And one of the lines is, And instructs him how to use his A's and B's and P's and Q's. Now this was more about how to write letters on a line, but it did use your P's and Q's. So anyways, whatever the true origins are, I'm just asking you all to remember to use your P's and Q's.
0: Hmm that is so interesting and here I was expecting like this evolution of the term but instead it's more like this buffet of all different <laughs> interpretations and definitions of the saying. yeah now I was always firmly in the um the first camp of like it just sounds phonetically like please and thank you so i had no idea there were so many other variations yeah i was in that camp too but i think you should join me now in the pints and quartz camp (laughs) oh i'm right there i'm right there with you um actually i was listening to you read about the ponytails Mm -hmm. do you know why ponytails would be like referred to as q no because it,
1: it and they spelled it like a q like a lineup
0: Q U E U oh, E. So I don't
1: quite okay. know that, but now you're just giving me more to look into, maybe for next week. Another, Another
0: cliffhanger? <laughs> oh, wonderful. <laughs> We here at the Modern Lady Podcast are always so inspired by the works and words of others that just seem to put this whole journey of self-betterment and growth into great perspective. And last week, Lindsay, you and I were first introduced to Booker T. Washington and his teaching of these 4-H principles, right? Yeah, that's right. So,
1: Michelle, I guess it's time we reveal to our listeners that ninety nine percent of our private conversations start with guess what I heard on the Candace Owens show, right? Yeah. You and I are a little Candace
0: Owens obsessed right now. Oh my gosh, yes. I feel like in our private conversations and phone calls we just use her first name. Yeah. Now. We're on first name right. basis. She doesn't know, but that's right. <laughs> well, she has a show on YouTube that's hosted by PragerU,
1: and she interviewed football great Burgess Owens, and his interview is outstanding. It's a must watch. And he shared something that stopped me in my tracks. I messaged you right away with the the timestamp saying mm-hmm. you need to listen to it right here. And you're like, oh, my goodness, that jumped out at me, too. And it was these four H's. Now. As you said, the origins are attributed to Booker T. Washington. Uh, Booker T. Washington lived from 1856 to 1915. He was a freed black slave. Um, He became an American educator, author, orator, and an advisor to the presidents of the United States. Um, We don't know for sure if he actually coined these four H's, or if the poet and author Rudyard Kipling did. But regardless, it was a really big part of what Booker T. Washington believed, and he had it woven throughout his teachings. So
0: again, Michelle, what are those four H's? Um, So the four H's that he was speaking about is the head the heart the hands and the home and when i was doing a little bit more research i realized and this seems painfully obvious
1: to many of you listening <laughs> that the 4h club right that we, yeah. many of us yes. have heard of <laughs> is based on those same 4h's surprise surprise now they um, they changed home to health i don't know when that happened but that works mm-hmm. now sure. the 4h clubs i grew up like you Michelle near rural ontario so Pretty much all Mm -hmm. I had heard about 4-H is that it was a bunch of farm kids uh, learning some leadership skills. With cows. Right, cows and maybe had like a prize chicken or something like that. Yes,
0: Um, yes. (laughs) I know we
1: have a lot of rural listeners who are going to laugh. I think it's a fantastic (laughs) program. Um, Yes. (laughs) And especially now that I know that that's what the 4-Hs are from. So it all makes Mm -hmm. sense. Um, Mm -hmm. Their pledge is this. It's very simple. It's, I pledge my head to clearer thinking my heart to greater loyalty, my hands to larger service, my health to better living for my club, my community, my country, and my world.
0: Mm. Oh my goodness, I love that. And you know what, the more I've looked into 4-H, because from my childhood, we've actually moved more rurally. Mm -hmm. And so I've been kind of looking into the 4-H club and it is so much more than cows. <laughs> I'm just trying to say, um, uh, to correct my past statement, my past prejudice. <laughs> um, but I, I can totally see how every, uh, aspect of the 4-H club and the activities they do and in the clubs that they offer within the organization really lend themselves to at least one of those four principles. Um, if not more, and how amazing that is for children to learn it and now trying to play catch up as an adult. That's right. what my train of thought was looking into 4-H clubs. That's right. Yeah. And that's what we're trying to do with this episode is play catch up mm-hmm. with these four things.
1: Yeah. So let's start with head, right? So you hear right. the word head. Um, I immediately break that into two things. So I don't know about you, Michelle, but um, I went right to like authority, chain of command. Um, But then also Education, mm-hmm. right? Learning, mm-hmm. growing in wisdom. So. I, I, let's just start a little bit with authority and chain of command. These are bad words in 2019 authority, <laughs> Michelle. Oh my goodness. Mm-hmm. How dare we um, imply that somebody might have authority within our families or within our communities. Um, I love it. I love the authority. Yeah. <laughs> if, if we can share some of that, you know, worry and and decision-making with somebody else in a position of yes. authority, I will gladly um, give that away. Um, so you know, my kids, well, my eldest is in air cadets. I was in cadets. So I learned from teenage years to about a chain of command. And so I just really think that every successful organization since the beginning of time has had a head, right? Mm-hmm. There has to be somebody mm-hmm. in a position of authority. There has to be somebody who does that from a place of love and respect and knowledge, but and wants to make the right decision for everybody under them. This is not a ruthless leader, you know.
0: Um, but right. this is somebody that rules with their head and their heart, those first two things. I love that. And and you know what, I think growing up in the, in the Catholic Church as well mm-hmm. gave me a real understanding of the importance of authority and o- obedience to authority. And yeah, I've never personally had a problem with this concept. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. But I think we can see Looking in our societies and our cultures and stuff, we can see what happens when there's no one either willing to take that leadership or that kind of headship in an organization or the group thinks that they can do it better without one. Yeah. Right. And it kind of just kind of, it, it just kind of dissolves. However noble the intentions of that group or organization or even like the family or whatever, uh, they're so much more prone to dissolving. That's right. I was um, close friends with a Jehovah's Witness
1: years ago and she used the word headship a lot. And I cringed mm. when she would say that this is, mm. you know, pre-Christian, pre-Catholic Lindsay. And I'm like headship. Oh, it's like, sounds like the worst word ever now I'm like, yes, it makes sense. Like you're saying, all we have to do (laughs) is look at history and and then on the flip side, look at which families are thriving. And, you know, Mm. it really does have somebody in that headship position and then a support staff of partners um, throughout the rest of the family that all lean on each other. Um, But beyond that, let's talk more about education. And this is something you and I are both passionate about. We did an entire episode on not stopping your education just because you're home with your kids you know um, about continuing your to grow in wisdom about self-learning and so I firmly believe that we shouldn't blame our lack of education on anyone other than ourselves it's 2019 there is no reason why you can't turn on youtube and listen to have and have access to some of the best professors and lectures in the entire world right now Right.
0: And I love that there is no end to what you could learn about anything in the world. That used to actually make me feel a little bit overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like, where do you start? Where do you begin? But now it's kind of just exciting and it takes off some pressure. Like if you uh, want to get into this ongoing lifelong learning and um, bettering your mind, Uh, There's no pressure because if there's no final grade or finish line per se, then the world is really your oyster. Like you're saying, we have the technology, we have the resources, and there's a never-ending supply of wonder in the world to really dig into. It's very exciting.
1: This was really important for the slaves. Um, you know, they kept them purposely not educated and not reading. Um, mm. You know, they kept them illiterate because everybody knows that one of the first steps to freedom and to people bettering themselves is education. And oh. and it was really um, only for certain groups of people for most of history. And that's just not the case now. There is no other time in the history of the world that we've had such access to such great Um, education. And it's free. It's at our fingertips. And so we just want to encourage everybody to spend your days learning, like fall in love with learning. Um, One Mm -hmm. more thing about the head is something you and I talk about a lot as well, which is having self-control, right? Willpower, just like, yep, being, um, again, wise and and prudent in your decision making, but just really starting at the head and the body, like just having control of yourself, Mm -hmm. of what you've watch what you say, what you see, um, what you allow, you know, into your ears, um, just everything, like just really having control over what you allow yourself to take in during the day.
0: Right. I, w- I was thinking along the same lines because I was thinking, you know, the head, education, book smarts, yes. Learning about the world and, the po- and politics, yes, to all those things. But I really think also part of keeping your head on straight mm-hmm. is also about learning to recognize which of these things that you could learn about actually directly pertain to to you, Mm -hmm. right? Is that whole idea of Jack of all trades, master of none. Yeah, yeah. And and I I get completely overwhelmed by that sometimes too. But like this knowledge, this head knowledge of who you are, where you are, what your role is in life, um, that's going to keep you from really deep diving off of cliffs, (laughs) left, right, and center. (laughs) She says to herself. (laughs) Like both of us. Yeah. I know I need to remind myself all the time where I can get carried away like there is so much and um we thankfully live in a society where everyone can can contribute to these uh resources that we have online and stuff like that right so it really takes a lot of brain power sometimes to go through all the different points of view and perspectives, and to think critically, and to learn how to think critically, that it, it can really, uh, you know, I've really felt sometimes that I've needed a break. Yeah. So even just having uh, your head on straight mm-hmm. is is also a really good thing to remember too when we talk about head in these four tenants.
1: <laughs> now the next one is heart, and so. I just think this is simply that everything that we are doing, everything we say, everything should be rooted in love. And not in a cheesy way, because I'm the least cheesy person you'll ever meet, (laughs) Um, but real love. And what we believe, as you and I have talked about countless times, it's like this selfless, charitable love, this willing the good of the other. Not the feeling of love, not the warm
0: butterfly fuzzies, but this, this idea of charitable love. Yeah, I find, so kind of piggybacking off the head portion of this, when I do find myself a little bit overwhelmed, I find that the heart, if the heart follows right immediately, it kind of settles you. And that's the paradox of love, right? Mm. The more love you give, the more love you feel. And that can even be towards yourself, Mm. right? Um, If you are going to keep in mind that you're here to, do good to others for the good of others. Serve other people. It kind of takes you out of yourself a little bit, and frees you to uh, to keep moving on, keep moving forward in life. It's so true.
1: I think um, a lot of us who've maybe had rough pasts um, are so focused on repentance and wanting to um, make reparation for some of the bad things we've done in the past that we actually mm-hmm. forget the love part. <laughs> and, I, and I can laugh oh. about this because this is a conversation I've had with many friends who have kind of come into religion later on in life where we're just we just never want to go back to the life we had before. And then somehow that we forget that this new life just means that God loves us. Like you're loved. Mm. Like I actually forget that. And so like what you said, like self-love is a big part of this. And again, not in a new agey kind of vapid kind of way, not pride, but do you love yourself enough to really take care of yourself? And again, back to the head, like, are you taking care Mm -hmm. of yourself by making good decisions? Are you physically taking care of yourself? Are you spiritually and emotionally taking care of yourself? These are really, really important things. And then also, Mm -hmm. I am reminded of this all the time because I see how Jason loves our children and loves me. And I fall short in this, but is your love that you're showing to your family and friends, is it Christ-like? Do Mm. they know that God loves them because of how you're loving them? Can they feel that?
0: Yeah, I love what you're saying about you exuding christ-like love to other people and i I think in our discussion of like do you love yourself and can you then show that christ-like love to everyone else it's an interesting thought to think like to reflect often of um do you know how loved you are by god himself too Mm -hmm. like there's that connection too right Mm -hmm. so um is there something blocking your heart from the love of god the father and if there is then perhaps there's the grace isn't coming to you to go out to other people in that way too or it's skewing how you are putting love into the world and to your communities and families too so yeah, it, such, an, such an interesting, and I, I'm sure we could talk forever about the love of Christ, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, just to have that open heart, not only willing to serve other people, but letting yourself be loved by him as well. And so the next H of the four H's that Washington talks about is the hands, right? And like actually doing something, working, right, Lindsay? Mm-hmm, That's kind mm-hmm. of where it starts off. I'm sure you know this Fulton
1: Sheen um, quote. It's a famous one, but he says, mm-hmm. show me your hands. Do they have scars from giving? Show me your feet. Are they wounded in service? Show me your heart. Have you left left a place for divine love? But I just repeat that first part to myself all the time. Show me your hands. Show me your hands. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just... Right, down, like, and I'm talking like on a physical level. My hands are the hands of a working woman. My hands look like the hands <laughs> of like a Victorian washerwoman. I do not have pretty hands. <clears throat> There's no way I could maintain pretty hands with literally the amount of housework I do. Maybe other women can and can give me tips, but anyways, they look like a washerwoman, and um, and so I look down at that though, and I love my hands, and. I just really value the opportunity I have to do those acts of service. So, you know, I was sick last week and you were so kind, Michelle, to um, accommodate my not being able to record a new episode. And like Mm -hmm. I was literally struck down, and it takes a lot to strike me down. Like I was just in bed for multiple days. And you know what? Jason did his absolute best and I'm so thankful for all he did, but he isn't me. He isn't me. And that's Mm. a good thing, because Mm -hmm. there shouldn't be two of me, right? (laughs) Um, This is my full-time job. And because of that, I really should have at this point mastered how to take care of my family and in my home. And, and I feel like I kind of have, and, and I was really missing that laying on the bed and hearing the house moving around me. Have you felt Mm -hmm. that right when you're sick and you're laying there Mm -hmm. and you kind of hear the house moving around you. And I just couldn't wait to get back on my feet and serve my family again. And I was able to do that yesterday and the whole house changed. It's kind of like, Mama's back, right? Mama's back. And the candles were lit and dinner was set and we all just were able to come back together after that kind of upsetting week of me being so sick. And I
0: was able to serve my family again and all felt right in the world. Oh my goodness. And what you're saying too, it's that feeling, you know, when you sink into bed at the end of a really work hard day. Yes. And you just you're absolutely done. You're like the dish towel that's been wrung (laughs) one too many times that day. But you just you feel so satisfied and so fulfilled and I've talked to Phil about this too because he has a career where he's working a lot with his hands Mm -hmm. um, in you know trades and in agriculture and stuff and he feels the same way like he did office work for a little while and he dabbles in it now and then but he asked to go back out because there's just something about working with your hands that's deeply fulfilling and satisfying and I was reminded of so the quote that I came up with, oh, <laughs> was uh, a little more uh, somber, sober, okay. <laughs> sobering. Right. But it's from Proverbs, mm. and it's just that you know, idle hands are the devil's workshop. Yeah, and idle lips are his mouthpiece. You know, I've always um, that's always stuck, but. You know, I was thinking about this in the larger sense too in our communities, and like we're so grateful. I'm so grateful for so much automation.
1: Yeah. You
0: know, uh, in our homes, especially, that's where I am. But could it be sometimes that culturally, that this lack of, you know, tasks or work or careers that need an element of manual labor could actually, you know, kind of be hurting us? Yeah. I fully
1: agree with that, actually. And as soon as my kids become teenagers, the jobs I'm getting them into are going to be labor intensive physical jobs to physically tire Mm. out their bodies. Because like you said, that feeling of falling into bed, exhausted physically, um, it's a different feeling than being exhausted mentally, right? Two different Mm -hmm. situations. But there is something about working with your hands that and that's why I think even a lot of people who have office jobs um, pick up hobbies. That involved, yes, like, even crafting that. right mm-hmm. or knitting yeah um i don't know if you knew this but after world war one a lot of the soldiers who had um shell shock they were taught to knit because they needed to oh, steady really? their hands and it was something that really calmed them down this this goes hand in hand with our devotion to the rosary this idea of right. just sliding beads through your hands right as you're praying um so yeah there's just something about putting your hands into the bread dough about folding the warm laundry about washing a child's hair I mean we could wax poetically about this which we are (laughs) but there this is a big deal like this is a part of taking care of people that you love and using your hands to take care of them and so it's something that I actually try to
0: stay kind of conscious about as I'm working throughout my house during the day hmm. Same. And so speaking of home, mm. that is the fourth tenant of the four H's. So, um, yeah, I'll, I'll let you get started. See homemaker. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yes. Um, yes. <laughs> so just kind of you and I were talking about this, especially again with how um, I'm feeling better again and just that idea of making the home after even just a few days of unrest in our home with me being sick and how different it felt. When I was back up and moving and everything was cleaned to my standard and and you know dinner was finished and we got to sit around as a family again, my kids said to me, this is what we love. That's what they said. They said, mm. you know, the candles on wow. a, a simple show, an old movie or something on TV. They're like, mom, this is what we love. And I'm like, this cost nothing. It cost like mm-hmm. it's nothing to make a cup of tea for your husband. It's nothing to light candles on the dining table. And so, the idea of our power in the home is something I talk about constantly because I am so passionate about this. The idea of a domestic church, um, mm-hmm. you know, that those words get tossed around a lot in Christian communities. And just like as Catholics, we believe that mass, that irreverent, beautifully done liturgy should be a respite from the world should be otherworldly. Like it should be like, unlike anything else we do in the week, our Mm -hmm. home should be that same thing for when our children come home from school, uh, from when our husband gets home from work. And if we work outside the home, when we come inside the home, and again, I was a working mom, so I still did this when I was a working mom, our home, we should all work together to just make it like a safe place away from the chaos that truly is the
0: world right now. Right. Because family is like truly the cornerstone of yeah. society, right? Yeah. And so it it kind of demands that level of attention.
1: You're absolutely right. It does. I think that's the perfect way to say yeah. it. It does demand that level of attention. It's not to be taken lightly. When I mm-hmm. see, <clears throat> you know, when people ask how my kids are so good and they are really great humans like they're just people you actually want to be around and mm-hmm. it's because they're so rooted in our home life there is no chaos like we've worked really really hard to make this place be um help them be so deeply rooted so that when they go out into the community you see that home on them. Do you know what I mean? It's like they're Mm -hmm, wearing mm -hmm. our home. It's like armor. And that doesn't happen by accident. It has to be very intentional. And yes, one spouse can do it, um, can carry it for sure. It makes it harder. It's definitely better if both husband and wife are involved in these decisions together with how to make your home have that feeling. But Mm -hmm. even if it is all on me, I take that. I'm honored to take on that role, because it is a game changer. And I just really, I, I know that I can rest every night. And when my kids have grown up and moved out, if I've created this home that has shaped who they are as people.
0: Hmm, And I like the terminology you're using, armor, because it is a fight for family yeah. so much of the time, isn't it? Yeah. Like, I have to say, uh, I always knew this concept in my head because I grew up with it. My parents um, had this mentality all through us growing up, too, and I'm so grateful that they always put home and family um below God, but above everything else. Yeah. And I really have started to feel it more and more in my own family, more keenly the older my own kids get. I think when I was so mired in the baby phase yep, yep. <laughs> for a really long time, you just kind of start to feel like a factory line worker after a while. Yeah. Right. Because it's just really providing the basics so much of the time. That's true. Yeah. But it's this like, It's this instruction, like the actual raising of children. Like We're just on the brink, I feel like, and I'm almost Mm -hmm. breathless sometimes with the enormity (laughs) of it. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's really kind of snapped something into place with both Phil and I, I think, that what is happening within our four walls is the most important thing in our lives right now. And it has to take precedence over everything else, no matter how good under God. Um, and so this has really been hard for me to transition over the last year or so, but whenever I make small decisions in favor of this new realization, I am really struck by like how right it feels and how inexplicably the other work usually finds a way to get done too. Yeah. But if the home comes first. Okay, it's time for our What We're Loving This Week segment of the show. So, Lindsay, what have you been loving this week?
1: Okay, so while I was, you know, fevered, I stumbled downstairs and put on Netflix. So I'm hoping that this show is actually as good as I thought it was when I was sick. But there's a show on Netflix called The Taco Chronicles and it's okay it's all in Spanish um there's subtitles there's six episodes a I don't even like tacos um I I don't even know why I put this on but I couldn't stop watching it and so I watched all six episodes on the one um one night and it's so fascinating and I realized that I don't like tacos because I only know like those cheapy old El Paso taco Mm -hmm. kits which is nothing obviously like a real taco so I just have to say even if you don't think you like tacos Or um, if you you don't speak Spanish, if this isn't something you'd normally click on, it's a fantastic
0: (laughs) six part documentary on the history of the taco. (laughs) That's awesome. Do you think all those episodes of Chef's Table yeah. where they started stop just translating into English and let you watch yes. their real language has prepared you for this moment? Yes. Now there was subtitles, <laughs> so you will be able to follow along. It will, right? Let, yeah.
1: No, I'm just trying to think back there. Yep, I was reading English, um, but yeah, it, it was very Chef's Tabley. So I actually think you're gonna okay. really enjoy it. So it, you know, it was nice going into winter to kind of just watch um, Mexico looks beautiful and it's just really, really fascinating. I learned a lot about the culture and the history of the taco and the history of Mexico um, as defined by their national food. So I found it to be a really, really good show. Hmm. And what have you been loving this week?
0: So I just finished reading a book called American Royals by Catherine Mm McGee. And uh, I actually saw it on Instagram on someone else's page. Uh, Katie Herzig, I think it is. And she recommends books all the time. And I I love her page. And so she recommended this and she had me at alternate universe. (laughs) I'm like, oh. Done. I love that we talked about um, man, of the man in the castle, high castle, yeah. right? It's like anything, ultra, anything. What if I'm there for? I'm, I'll follow you down that rabbit hole. Yeah, but so the Amazon synopsis uh, sums it up. It says, when America won the Revolutionary War, its people offered General George Washington a crown. Two and a half centuries later, the House of Washington still sits on the throne. Like most royal families, the Washingtons have an heir and a spare, a future monarch and a backup battery. Each child knows exactly what is expected of them, but these aren't just any royals, they're American. So I don't even know if that is actually true. I didn't have time to look into that, whether George Washington was offered like a presidency or a crown. It could just be fiction. But I found this concept really intriguing. So it reads like a young adult fiction novel with all of those usual dramas that the genre usually has. Uh, And there is some insinuated dalliances, shall we say, but nothing explicit. And, (laughs) And overall, it was just fun it was an interesting take on what if and that's something i'm always up for hey that needs to be a tv show it's such a great concept i think so right because you they they talk about all the things that we hear about the monarchy with even the the modern royals yeah. like, but imposes it in america so they're talking about like even the dukes uh, the duke of boston wow and like all these things it's very very cool so i really liked it i like that take Okay, that's going to do it for us this week. If you want to get in touch and chat with us about our topic today, you can find us on our website, www.themodernlady1950.wordpress.com, or leave us a comment on Facebook or Instagram, where you can find us at The Modern Lady Podcast. I'm Michelle Sachs, and you can find me on Instagram at Sachs.
1: And I'm Lindsay Murray, and you can find me on Instagram at Lindsay Homemaker.
0: Thank you so much for listening. Have a great week and we will see you next time.